our mission as we've sort of finally you know, understood it is really create a world where there are no problems, only projects. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle, light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's Firestarter is David Allen. One of the world's most influential thinkers on productivity, David's 35 years experience as a management consultant and executive coach have earned him the titles of personal productivity guru, by Fast Company Magazine and one of America's top five executive coaches by Forbes Magazine. The American Management Association has ranked him in the top 10 business leaders. His best-selling book, The Groundbreaking, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, has been published in 30 languages, and the GDT methodology it describes has become a global phenomenon, being taught by training companies in more than 70 countries. David, his company, and his partners are dedicated to teaching people how to stay relaxed and productive in our fast-paced world. Welcome, David. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for the invitation. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you part of my podcast. I think that uh, I was looking through how to be a more productive person because I feel like I'm just a hot mess when it comes to that kind of thing. And I just came across all of your stuff and just super impressed. I'm hoping that, you know, as we learn how to discover, you know, the power of clearing our mind, sharpening our focus, I'll be able to help my audience as well as myself accomplish more things with ease. But before we get into anything about what you're doing for work, just briefly introduce yourself to the audience. Okay. Well, hi, I'm David Allen. (laughs) And uh, I've spent the last 35 years researching and implementing best practices about how to, you know, get free and stay focused and surf on top of your world. Uh, It's a busy world out there for a lot of people. And uh, wound up writing a book about what I'd uncovered after the first 25 years called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. That kind of threw me onto the world stage because it sort of hit a nerve around the world. So um, my wife, who's been working with me since we've been together for 30 plus years, um, she and I moved to Amsterdam from Santa Barbara, California about six years ago. Uh, This is much more the center of our world now, given a lot of we're doing is global stuff. And we love it in Amsterdam. And uh, that's a lot of my work now is supporting a lot of our licensees and franchisees and partners around the world that we've certified to deliver training around this methodology that I uncovered. So that's a very short version of a very long story. <laughs> and I'm sure after 35 years, it could be much longer. I have to say, I was looking at your Instagram and the pictures on there. Amsterdam looks like an amazing place. Well, it's a terrible place. You never want to come. Everybody, <laughs> stay away. Stay That's away. actually what I say about Idaho. <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. horrible. You don't want to move here. We get lots of snow. <laughs> so, so very good. I, I just uh, love to hear like the background of why you began even a work in productivity, you know, beginning 35 years ago. I mean, what led you to that? to start that? I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I was more interested in sort of my own self-development and exploration of God, truth of the universe and, and who I was and all that kind of personal growth, uh, you know, internal viewing kind of process. That was my major priority, but they don't pay, they don't pay people to do that. So I had to pay the rent. So <laughs> I had to, ha- had to have jobs and I, I knew friends and knew people in my network who seemed to know what they wanted to do. And they were starting businesses and had small businesses themselves. So I became a pretty good number two guy. So I wanted to help like a lot of friends with their businesses, their small businesses that they were doing it. And, you know, I would just walk in and say, okay, well, I'm the laziest guy you ever met, Rebecca. So I, I just look <laughs> around and go, is there an easier way we could kind of get things done here? And so I would just look to how we could improve their, they call that process improvement now, fancy, fancy word, fancy term. 
Uh, but back then I was just, you know, can, can we just make this easier? And then of course I'd fix it and we'd improve it. And then I'd get bored <laughs> and I'd, I'd leave and go find another gig. And then I discovered they actually called people something to do that, you know, consultant. Now I are one. So I said, oh. <laughs> and, I and they, and they pay them to do that. So I go, okay, well, let me just sort of, you know, jump off the end of that pier and hope the water's not too deep or too shallow and, and, and be a consultant. So I hung out my shingle, you know, 1981, 82, Allen Associates and started my own consulting practice helping people kind of however I could wind up helping people. Cause I, you know, that seemed to be what I, what I could do best. And I wasn't particularly interested in hanging out any one place for any length of time. I get bored. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wound up being after 35 jobs, that was the one job I could stick with, you know, for the next 35 years. So, uh, so I've wound up doing that, but I, then I also got very hungry for finding out good models that I could use if it wasn't clear how to help somebody, if I walked into what they were doing, it'd be nice to pull something out of my back pocket and say, okay, and just walk through these steps and let's see what happens. So I got hungry for models like that for myself first, uh, because as my life was getting more complex, I found that I was getting more, uh, you know, not so much stressed, but you know, I, I was founding, finding a lot of pressure based upon, you know, managing a more professional and complex life. And because I had quite a bit of experience by that time in both meditation, spiritual practices, had a black belt in karate and the martial arts, I discovered the value of clear space, what, you know, how, how useful and practical it is to have a clear head so you could be present with whatever you're dealing with. And so I somehow brought that into, well, okay, how do I stay clear myself? Found Finding really good techniques, had a couple of good mentors that taught me some key elements of this. And then turned around and started using those techniques with my clients and turned out it produced exactly the same result, more freedom, more focus, more ability to, um, you know, have more space to focus on the most meaningful things and reduce a whole lot of stress and improve a lot of energy in terms of people. And without fail, if they implemented these techniques, and they weren't actually hard to do, but you're not born doing them. So I I started using that in my practice and then, uh, you know, um, head of human resources in a big corporation saw what I was doing. He said, wow, we need that. We need those results in our whole company. Can you design something like a training program or, you know, that you can take this methodology and put it into, you know, kind of a training or a seminar package that we can reach a lot of people with it. So that's what I did. And it was quite successful. That was, you know, we did a pilot program for a thousand executives and managers at Lockheed in 1983 and 84. And that you know, surprised me, threw me, you know, in, in spite of myself into the corporate training world. And then I just, you know, by referral basis, just built a kind of boutique training and consulting practice around all these things that I discovered. And frankly, they were just the most important things I would share with anybody still do. Hey, you know, if it's all about completion and creation, you know, you need to make sure you complete stuff you, you put in motion and you need to be accountable for where you put your creative energy in. You know, because I, I kind of knew that from a more subtle level in terms of kind of why we're on the planet, but to find really good practical techniques that I could give people that they didn't have to, they didn't have to necessarily understand it at a more subtle level, but it just worked. It worked, they sort of put them back in the driver's seat instead of sort of feeling victim to you know, having more to do than they can do and not knowing quite what to do with it. Well, and that's the problem I've had. I'm always looking for a good system, you know, to, I mean, that's what you hear is like build good systems around and then it helps with productivity. And, but I find so much time like trying to work on that system that it's not really helping me get a lot more done. You know, it just feels like there's more to do. Like I don't, I don't have that clear space that you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you have your own systems. You wouldn't be talking to me if you didn't. So (laughs) you're not an anti-system person. Otherwise you couldn't get out of bed. So you have a system for driving a car, you have a system for getting groceries, you probably have a system for doing a whole lot of stuff in your life. You don't think about it because you just do it because you've installed the system. So you don't, so you shouldn't have to think about your system, you should be using it. But initially, if it's different and it is an improvement, you do need to focus on it initially until it becomes habitual or becomes part of just part of what you do and how you do it. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear about the things that you, you know, say you discovered some things that are pretty simple. I mean, as far as uh, once you learn how to do those things to 
help with that productivity. What are the things that you discovered that you think are different than what other people say? I mean, it sounds like there are masters in, in many different industries that see what you're doing is much different than maybe, you know, hiring a different consultant would say. What are those things? Well, you know, let me admit, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I've never had a formal traditional course in business psychology or time management. So everything I came up with was just out of my own experience and working with it to find out what was true. So I didn't have, I suppose I had the advantage of not having any preconditions about what these best practices really were. So uh, as I began to discover them, and again, I didn't make them all up. I had a couple of mentors that, that gave me some key pieces to this. But for instance, don't keep anything in your head. Your head is a crappy office. And, <laughs> No, it is. And and you and most people are using your head to try to remember, remind, prioritize, and manage relationships with a whole lot more things than your head is actually capable of doing. And so what happens is you tend to be driven then by whatever's latest and loudest instead of confident, intuitive intelligence. That describes me to a T, I guess, you know. um, Well, welcome to the the planet. You know, there are very few people that have sort of figured this out, which has kind of been strange to me because... Hey, write it down if it's on your mind. Buy cat food. Hire the vice president. You know, should we get divorced? I mean, get anything anything <laughs> yeah. that's, got, that's on your mind, you know, is not being handled by it simply being on your mind. You know, you need to get it out of your head, and then you know, go through you know some other uh, some other practices about once you've gotten it out. But step one, and there are five steps, you know, which I could explain that, that, that we've sort of recognized of what you do to get yourself more focused and in control, whether that's in your kitchen or your company or your life. And the first step is to capture stuff that's got your attention. So what's not on cruise control right now, Rebecca, in your life? And you don't have to go very far to say, well, what's on your mind? You know, because if it's on your mind, unless you just like thinking, you know, I, my mind just wanders around and likes to think about a lot of things. But I'm, talking <laughs> about, I'm talking about the stuff that wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning. Oh God, I need to. Or the things you went, oh, you know, I ought to, or the, I should, but, you know, whatever all those things are, are, oh, I got, we need to deal with uh, da, 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 da. And that can be very obvious, very mundane. We need to change the light bulb, but it can be pretty subtle. Oh, gee, is this the real career I want? You know, whatever those things are that have your attention, there's an inverse relationship usually between on your mind and getting done. So the stuff that's, that's got your attention just means you're not yet appropriately engaged with it. That's not bad. That's just an indicator that there's decisions you still need to make and some sort of an organization of the results of that thinking you need to park somewhere you trust. See, most people listening to this, Rebecca, right now, probably are not being distracted right now by where they need to be two weeks from Thursday at three o'clock in the afternoon. Why? Because it's written down, right? Because it's written down and it's in a system and and you also have a behavior that you trust, that you'd be looking at your calendar at the right time. So everybody's already doing these kinds of practices, but in a very, very minor way relative to how they could. I, I like the idea of the I shoulds. I mean, sometimes that helps you understand what you should be capturing. That kind of sounds like journaling in a way. Is that, is that what well, journaling is a way to externalize anything that externalizes stuff out of your brain is going to be helpful and creative, you know, believe me, you know, and, and journaling, you know, which I've done from time to time. I don't journal all the time, but every once in a while I sort of get into journaling mode and it's a great way to sort of empty your head, you know, as just a, okay, what's got my attention. But journaling is not quite, journaling is a little more, how should I say? It's a little more of an inner kind of clearing process, which is useful and very useful to do. I think it clears a lot of in the unconscious when you do that. But I'm talking about the stuff that's very real, very practical, very obvious. Wow. You know, I got to finish my taxes. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I told Susan I was going to get back to her about that. Oh, yeah, I promised I'd bake a cake for the church thing, you know. That, all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of the operational things in life that most people are really not handling nearly as well. They've sort of overcreated, overcommitted past where their systems and their behaviors are, are matching it. That's why yeah. they're feeling overwhelmed. Well, and I feel like a lot of my stuff is just falling through the cracks, like, you know, getting the cake to the church type of thing. I mean, something important, obviously, but it, like you said, if it doesn't get written down, if it's not part of that scheduled time or whatever it will fall through the cracks in my life, you know, and 
then I yeah. feel horrible. And, and, <laughs> and again, you know, I, you know, one of the disruptive things I did, since that's kind of a little bit of your topic here, is was that that I said daily to-do lists don't work. Back when I started doing this, the daily to-do list was sort of the that's how you got control of your life. You know, sit down and write the six things you're going to get done on Monday. Uh, but even back then, 40 to 50% of your day was a surprise. And so, you know, if you tried to overstructure yourself, you lose control. So too control is really out of control. So you, you need to maintain a high level of flexibility and yet not lose track of mm-hmm. those things that you are still committed to do. So I don't have a daily to-do list. I have a total life to-do list. And then I plan as little as I have to and then just make intuitive decisions off all the options, the menu that's in front of me. Yeah, I think I was for years doing the other the other way of this daily to-do list. And uh, frankly, I got burned out. You know, <laughs> yeah, Well, it creates guilt and frustration for sure. Mm-hmm. Because one study I saw many years ago when they looked at people's, to, you know, their, people's calendars and their to-do list, they said, what usually most people's on the weekend when they filled out their daily to-do list for Monday, filled out more things on Monday than they could possibly do in a week. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So do you teach to limit that what is on that to-do list? I mean, you were saying that you've kind of gotten rid of that, but. There's all the stuff you need to do as soon as you can do them. And most people have between 30 and 100 projects, meaning something that's going to take more than one step to be able to complete. And most people have 150 to 200 next steps of things they need to do about all the moving parts, everything from the six things you need to buy at the hardware store to the three things to talk to your life partner about to the three documents you need to edit on your computer to the yada, yada, yada. So what you don't want to lose is what all those are. And so you need to make sure that inventory is clear and up in front of you. And then you look at all that and say, no, I'm going to have a beer or I'm going to take a nap (laughs) instead of that. Then it's a high performance beer and it's a quality nap because you've looked at everything that you could be doing and said, no, beer or nap is better. You can't do that if all that stuff's banging around in your head. That's very true. And that's the part that drives me crazy. Do you feel like there's any challenge? (laughs) <laughs> do you feel like there's any challenges uh, that you have when you're trying to implement the system? I'd love to get more into this. I and mean, we've t- just talked about that step one of capture, but, um, you know, to go through those steps a little bit. But, I mean, do you feel like people like me have some challenges when they're trying to implement this productivity system? Yeah. You have a habit of keeping stuff in your head. <laughs> okay. It'll take you two years to change that habit. There's the one. I mean, it, I discovered this 35 years ago, but in the last 10 years, the cognitive science research has now proven what I uncovered just on the street 35 years ago. Your head is for having ideas, but not for holding them. And just just to understand that so that you carry something around with you all the time when something pops into your head that you might, would, could, should, might at some point have to decide or do something about, write it down. That's the first thing you need to do. And the, the biggest thing is your life is good enough. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and so you, that's... Haven't, you haven't, see, I, I've got the hardest job in the world because I have to convince people to do something that they don't think they need. That's interesting. I, I'm writing down this quote that your head is for uh, having ideas, not for holding them. So yeah. what a great quote. Well, and, and that's uh, really true. Like um, sometimes that's the hardest part is trying to convince people you know, what they really do need, right? Let me be quite honest with you, Rebecca. You know, what you've just been describing about yourself is the biggest issue most people have is you're just addicted to your stress. <laughs> okay, you're yeah. You're willing to tolerate it. I'm not. Yeah, yeah that's true. And you then... Got, you got used to it, having that. Yeah. And it's, it's not really so much a sense of overwhelm. It's a, it's a, gnawing, it's a gnawing anxiety. It's like an ambient anxiety that you just live with. yeah. And, and if you actually really experience true. what it was like to get rid of that, you go, oh my God. <laughs> wow. You had no idea. I had no idea. I had a mentor that took me, I, I thought my life was pretty well together back many years ago. And the, one of my mentors, you know, taught me, he said, because he'd been working with executives for 25 years and discovered that if they had stuff banging around in their head, it would prevent them from sort of moving their organizations forward. So he said, David, why don't you just write down everything that got your attention? I went, oh, okay. And I did that. And he said, now let's take every one of those things and decide what's your very next action you would need to take about any of those if that was the only thing you had to do. And I went, oh, okay. And I, then I went, oh my God, what a huge difference that made in terms of my experience. 
But again, it was not something I thought I needed or had to do. I wasn't like in some dire straits, you know, where I needed some fix. Yeah. Well, and I think what you describe, like with me, is what most Americans feel, you know, addicted to that stress. We're addicted to being busy, but not really, not really being at a performance level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, addiction is a hard word. It's more like you got used to that you're, mm-hmm. and you're not, you don't have a new, you don't have another standard. Yeah. So you got used to that kind of thing and not realizing that, wait a minute, it's possible to be actually totally present with nothing on your mind, except whatever it is you want to put your mind on. Well, and and that's those, what I, that's yeah. what I discovered. Now mindfulness is a very popular idea out there, but I you know, discovered that in the martial arts 35 years ago, you know, which is basically actually 40 years ago when I was doing that basically focus on your breathing, get yourself present. So in case four people jump you in a dark alley, you can, you don't over or under react, but you're more capable of engaging with surprise. And so that, you know, I learned that principle many, many, many years ago, but that's the, that's the same thing is true with, you know, everyone right now, the bigger backlog you have, you know, most people listening to this probably have some backlog of email or backlog of stuff, you know, that you still haven't, you know, captured, clarified, organized, or figured out what to do with it, but it's still hanging in there. The bigger that backlog, the more any new input's going to be feel uncomfortable, even good stuff, because there's a lot of lurking stuff back there. You still are not quite clear exactly what your commitment about it really is or should be. And so you can't evaluate the new stuff against anything. It's just more stuff. Oh my God. Ambient anxiety. That's the, that's the biggest, uh, that's the biggest probably disease most people have that are listening to this. Yeah, I was going to say it would cause a lot of anxiety because you're not, like you said, not sure of what to do with that stuff. For sure. Not enough anxiety to have you fix it. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten to that point where we're, um, what's Dave Ramsey say? They're sick of, uh, sick of being tired, you know, tired of being sick of it or something like that. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, yeah right. sick and tired of right. being sick and tired. That's right. So sure. ex- exactly. You know, how has your paradigm changed as you've worked with different uh, professionals and, and things like that um, over time and with experience? How, how has it done that? You know, it really hasn't, the, the basics and the basic principles have been solid from day one. You know, okay. if it's in your head, it's in the wrong place. And once you get it out of your head, you need to decide what it means to you, actions and outcomes that you need to clarify. And then, then you need to keep track of those actions and outcomes and then reflect and review on the contents of those on a consistent basis, which produces trusted choices about what you do. That is that's essentially the, the essence of my 35 years I just gave you. I like that reflect step. I think that's number four as I'm looking at your website. Well, if you, if you don't look at your calendar, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's good luck. You know, so you need to step back and, and take it and sort of locate yourself in space and time. And there's multiple levels of reflection, obviously. Why are you on the planet? What's your vision <laughs> while success? You know, what are the things you need to accomplish in the next year or two? Uh, what are all the things you need to maintain, like your health and your vitality and your friendships and your finances and your fun factor and your dog, you know, and then what are all the projects you need to finish about all those things? And by the way, what are all the action steps you need to take about all those? And I just gave you quickly the six horizons that you actually have commitments with yourself that then start to create. If you're not conscious of those things or, you know, sort of regularly calibrating against them in terms of, hey, are these all the projects I really need given where I want to go? which ones do I need to move to someday? Maybe which one should I get rid of right now? Which, you know, whatever. So you don't get rid of the need to be conscious and the need to be an executive and make, you know, sometimes challenging decisions about what you do and what you don't do. That's interesting. Six horizons about yourself. Do you want to expand upon that? Like, what Mm -hmm. are you trying to say there? Sure. Well, let me start at the top one. Why are you on the planet? What's your purpose as a human being? Why are you here? How are you doing? And what really, really matters to you. I call that horizon five. That's kind of the top horizon. Things. You don't care who you marry as long as what. You don't care where you live as long as what. You don't care what career you have as long as what. And that, that's where you'll hear, if you actually answer those honestly, you'll say, okay, those, are, those would be core values. And what's your purpose? What are you here to do? What's off purpose for you? you know, and so the, you know, that's, a, that's a top horizon. And by the way, this would also be true for an enterprise or a company. So what's the purpose of the company? What's it, what's it about? What are its core values? And then Maybe the next mission her, statement, then, like, yeah, could be a mission. Often the mission statement does is a combination of that as well as vision, the next horizon down. 
But see, is knowing your life purpose, Rebecca going to help you decide which email to write first tonight? Mm, a little bit. Well, I think the way you approach it, definitely. Like if you, you know, believe in some type of afterlife or whatever that, you know, there's some total of your actions or what you would probably yeah. write an email that's a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it could very well as, as conscious as you might want to be about that. It could it could influence that. But there then you've got five more operational levels of commitment that and coming down. Down doesn't mean lesser, it just means more operational material. So if I said, Rebecca, if you were totally fulfilling your life purpose wildly successfully five years from now, where are you going to be? What's your lifestyle going to be like? Career. So that's the vision of your f- purpose being fulfilled but with you personally. And that's where you more individuate. So you could have a very similar purpose to somebody sitting next to you, but your vision of how you're going to implement that might be very specific and very different. So what's the yeah. vision? That would be a next level of, of commitment, which is vision. That's horizon four, we call. Then you say, okay, well, that's, you know, I want to be the world's best karate story. I want to write the great American novel, or I want to, I want to just help people do X, Y, and Z, whatever. Fabulous. And then what do you need to do over the next three to 24 months? What kind of goals and objectives do you need to, you know, uh, be aware of or to maybe put into place so that your vision actually happens operationally? So that would be what most people would refer to, tend to, tend to refer to as goals and objectives, horizon three, especially companies and organizations if they're doing yearly planning and what so forth. That's kind of where that shows up. But then you say, okay, well, what are all the things I need to maintain so I can get there? And that's the stuff, you, the areas of focus and responsibility and accountability that you need to maintain so you've got balance and health and have the energy to go forward where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So in your, in your job, that would be what's your job description, one of the things you need to manage well, asset management, uh, staff development, uh, you know, uh, product development, uh, quality control, customer service, et cetera. On your personal life, it would be, gee, how are you doing? Finances, energy and health. Uh, relationships, fun, uh, spiritual life. Um, you know, you know, what are all the things in your life that you need to make sure are maintained at a certain level of standard so that you can get where you want to go. Right. And then you have all, then that's horizon two areas of focus, responsibility, accountability. You don't finish those things. You don't finish finance. You just make sure that your finances are appropriate to whatever you're doing. You don't finish being healthy. Right? Those are not things to finish. Those are things to be aware of that then generate your projects and your actions. You may have a project that says, gee, I need to go look into, into you know, getting a personal trainer or I need to you know, set up a nutritional program for myself or whatever. So then you have all the projects you have that come out of all that other stuff and projects being just something you, you need to finish you know, somehow, you know, get tires in my car, hire the vice president, get my kids into the right schools you know, for the next season, uh, you know, set up my home office given the pandemic that's going on, <laughs> yeah. you know, arrange my, you know, family situation, you know, with the kids at home now and dealing with all that. So there's a lot of stuff that are projects that you would, that's very useful to identify at that level of commitment. As I mentioned earlier, most people have somewhere between 30 and hundred of those. If you took personal and professional altogether. And then you have, then that's horizon one is the project level and then the ground level. So we use ground much like sort of the, the, the rest of the world uses elevators, the, the ground level and then the first floor, second floor, third floor. So the ground level are all the things you need to do, physical, visible actions, emails you need to send, stuff to buy at the store, stuff to talk to your, your partner about, stuff, to, stuff you need to draft at your computer, things you're waiting on to come back that you've ordered that haven't come yet, et cetera. Most people got 150 of those plus. Wow. So those are the different, those are the six horizons that we actually have commitments. Sounds like you like to get to all these horizons. It's quite a long like time in meditation of, you know, who you are and what's important to you and, you know, where well, you see yourself. Degree, degree to which what's important to you is important to you. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> I'm not telling you should do anything. That's maybe what's different. Another different thing about my stuff is my stuff. I don't really care how much of what I just told you, you decide to do. I do meaning, Hey, I know it's going to help your life if you did, but that's up to you. My job was to define what the game was. Your job was to figure out how, you know, how much you want to play it, whether you want to or not. 
That's so I'm not a, I'm not a proselytizer. I'm not a motivational speaker. My job is not to motivate you. My job is to give you some information. And then your job is to figure out, is that information useful to you? Do you want to use it given where you want to go? I so, love that. Cause I, I mean, if you think about a consultant, most consultants or trainers or, you know, people that, um, what did you say? Like the mentor that you use in your life are all about like, okay, I'm here to take you to the next level. And, you know, I'm here, but I love the idea. That is a very disruptive thought. I think that you're there to just give them the information and then they need to decide how, how hard they want to play that game in their own life. You know, exactly. I love I'm that. too lazy. I'm too lazy to try to motivate people. To <laughs> do. It's like, I, I, I don't want that frustration. <laughs> that would be uh, very taxing on a person for sure. That's for sure. So after 35 years of all this experience, do you feel like you've learned things in your own life that have helped make it more meaningful, uh, that have led it, you know, to that life's mission? Like we're talking about that, that vision that you have. Uh, sure. Well, what's happened in these 35 years is the thousands of people who've implemented what I came up with and how it's transformed their lives for the better. It made huge differences in terms of their ability to affect the world and to positively affect other people. So kind of a little bit bemusing, but certainly, you know, kind of unexpected in my life that I would come up with something that wound up being so incredibly powerful globally, you know, around the world. So, you know, that's probably the, the most meaningful thing is to find out how meaningful this, this information I came up with has been for so many people. And you know, without fail, if you implement any of this, it will improve your condition. So I guess I'm more of an educator than and a researcher than a, an entrepreneur or you know, anything else. So that's, that's why it, what's been most meaningful to me was to be, was to have wound up, you know, crafting somehow, you know, kind of in spite of myself, a profession where everything I do and everything that I touch with this information improves. Well, so, and I, like, I, how cool is that? You know? Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if one of the reasons, I mean, you've already tagged yourself as the laziest person, uh, you know, whatever, but I think that maybe one of the reasons why it's been so fun to see people progress so much is that you aren't pushing them. You know, sometimes when we have that motivator, uh, that human desire in us to resist it, I don't know if you have ever felt that way, but we all get a little bit, what is it, rebellious when somebody's telling us to do sure. something or, or whatever, sure. but when you leave it up to that person to decide. Well, I think one of the unique things about what I do and what we do with this information is we assume that you are a self-reliant person and that you have all the tools you need already mm -hmm. to get where you want to go. And the strange paradox, Rebecca, about this is the people who've been most attracted and most fully implemented what I teach are the people who need it the least. Oh, They're already the most productive, aspirational, positively focused people you'd ever meet. <laughs> so that, that's the good news about my life is I've been able to attract and then hang out with and create a network of some of the brightest, busiest, most productive people you would ever meet in all professions all over the world. So, because those are the folks who just sort of recognize what I was doing. The reason is they already know systems work. They already know being organized works. They already know that they can produce great value because, wow, if you just look at the roster of people, anybody would look at them and say they're one of the most productive people you would ever meet. They already know they could do that, but they've reached their limit about mm -hmm. they can't do more and they know they could. And they want to unlock their ability to be able to do more than they are currently doing. And that, that's, those are the people that, that have been most attracted to this. Well, and that gives me hope because I've always, you know, felt that about myself, but then you, you feel like, okay, you look around like, well, I could be doing more, you know, I could be excelling better in a number of ways. So it's, it's, I think it's a very hopeful message too. Like, you know, if you don't get this right and you can implement maybe some of it or, or whatever that better works and helps in your own system, is that what, what maybe I'm getting from what you're saying is that you have the ability to even push that even further. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And most people, again, don't really have the reference point about what it would be like to actually be totally present and still be doing not only, not, not only doing what they were doing before, but being able to actually accomplish more and produce more physical, mental and emotional results and still be present. 
Yeah, and that's such, that- such a cool place to operate from. And so that's been a lot of my job and, you know, trying to figure out how to communicate that to people that that's a possibility. And it's not far out of reach. Well, and I've seen describe all you have to do to, to do that. Yeah. Well, and I've seen people, maybe just a handful of people in my life that that do, they have high success, but when you're with them, you feel like you're the only person that matters. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, and, oh, sure. and that makes, um, that improves the relationships that in, you make, I don't know, those people I admire so much more because, you know, you really feel like they care about you and the life that you have. And I mean, yeah. those types of things too. So. Yeah, no, beautiful, beautiful place to operate from. Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, we talked about like the five fundamental steps to helping, you know, apply order to the chaos. And then also those six horizons about yourself. Do you feel like there are maybe three key points or messages that you want to get across? Because I'm, I'm sure anybody can just go on your website, sign up for the uh, productivity training and things like that and get all the things that you know, we've somewhat discussed on this uh, podcast so far, but maybe some, some points that you want to talk about. Sure. Yeah, there are probably three, the three sort of key elements to this. One is get stuff out of your head. Okay. Right? Externalize whatever's got your attention. Point number two is what you got out of your head, you then need to put through a thought process called, what does this mean to me? And what's an action step I would need to take to move it forward? And if one action won't finish it, what's the outcome I need to keep track of? So outcome and action thinking is the second really, really key element. You took anything that has your attention and say, well, great. What would you need to do to get that off your mind? What would you need to do to start moving on that and appropriately engage with it? And by the way, what do you need to keep track of until it's finished about that? And most people are not trained yet. It's a cognitive muscle you actually have to train to be thinking outcome and action. Anybody listening to this right now, and I don't know, Rebecca, do you have something that looks like a to-do list somewhere? Yeah. (laughs) If you pulled it out right now, I'm going to see very few outcomes specifically defined and very few actions, if any, specifically defined. Yeah, it's just yeah, like most, you said, that to-do list of like... Yeah, most people, you know, most people have mom or bank or doctor or dog or karate lessons or something like that, but you haven't, they haven't sat down and really drilled themselves into this second process, which we call clarify. What specifically does that mean to you? What specific outcome are you committed to finish? Research, I need to look into whether to give Johnny karate lessons or not. I need to look into whether this tooth can get fixed or not. I need to look into, or I need to, I need to hire this person or whatever. So get really clear about what's the box that you need to define to check off and keep it in front of you until you get there. So outcome thinking, and then next action thinking, what do you need to do next to move that forward? So those are things you actually need to train yourself to to do more of and to do more completely. So step one, capture stuff's got your attention. Step two, clarify outcomes and actions of anything embedded in any of those. And step three would be our number three that I would suggest is make sure you have a trusted system, then keep track of the results. Where are you going to keep a project list that you trust you'll see at the right time? Like you look at your calendar, where are you going to keep a list of stuff to talk to your partner or your boss or your, you know, whatever about the next time you see him or her, where are you going to keep a list of the errands you need to run? You know, so make sure you have some trusted place so that your brain doesn't have to reabsorb all that stuff and try to bang around with it again. You need to trust it's in a place that you'll see it. So capture, clarify, and organize. Probably the key elements. Those are steps one, two, and three of the five, but those are the first ones you really need to do. Four and five is just make sure you look at the system and then use it to then engage appropriately. So those are my tips for life. That's awesome. So do you have a recommended trusted system uh, for people to review or do you feel like that's kind of where you have to evaluate your own life and what works best for you? Yeah, you have to evaluate your own life. You you just need a list manager and there are hundreds if not thousands out there. You can use everything from the paper planner to Excel spreadsheets to, you know, there are hundreds of apps out there that have Mm -hmm. been designed around my getting things done model. And they're just list managers. You just need a, a list. I need a list of my projects. I need a list of my errands. I need a list of stuff I need to talk to my to these four people about. 
you know, so you just need a list. So whatever kind of, whatever you use that might, you might want to use that can maintain lists uh, would be uh, as good a system as you can get. That's awesome. I, I've been writing notes furiously. <laughs> I'm really getting into this. Um, I'd love to hear though, like what people can find, like when they go, I mean, you mentioned that you have a book out. Um, your website is phenomenal. I actually really love your YouTube uh, channel as well. You know, let's talk about maybe some of those extra resources that you have uh, to help educate people on this productivity system that you do have. Sure. Like what can they find there? Well, if you want, you know, the real sort of the more intensive education of this would be live or virtual training and coaching. And mm -hmm. those are offered by our licensed partners around the world that we certified to do that. So in the U.S., uh, Vital Smarts is our partner that delivers training around getting things done. And GTD Focus is our company that does one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching, now virtual, obviously, with the pandemic going on. But they mm -hmm. do a lot of work for just virtually with that. So if you are interested in that, uh, you'll see those connections on our website. But you could go to vitalsmarts.com or you can go to gtdfocus.com if you want to see those. And then if, you, if you're anywhere else in the world, you can go to our site, click on training and coaching and then plug in your country and you'll see we're in 73 countries where we have certified trainers mm -hmm. that are doing that kind of work. So that's, that's one way to, to get involved with this, this obviously another one is just to get the book, getting things done. It's really got it all in there and is a manual, but it can be a little bit daunting. We just published the getting things done workbook, which would make it easier if you're not familiar with this already and you want sort of an, uh, lower the barrier of entry to get into this process. It's, got, it's sort of like got the 10 critical steps or the 10 steps to do, and it's laid out very well. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's newly out there. So you, you can find it at Amazon. You find it in your bookstores, the Getting Things Done workbook. And last year we wrote Getting Things Done for Teenagers, for teens. Because, you know, for years people said, oh, my God, I wish I had learned this when I was 12. Or how can I get this to my kids? We really need this. So cool. there, there are resources out there and you, you can find those kind of anywhere. You just go a Google search about getting things done. You'll be blown away by the 63 million <laughs> that have shown up out there as you've seen. And you know, our, our YouTube channel's got lots of, you know, lots of recorded stuff. I, you know, I've done three TEDx's. So there's lots of ways you can sort of play with this. We have a free newsletter. I recommend when you go to the website, gettingthingsdone.com, uh, just sign up for the newsletter. We got, you know, all kinds of cool stuff shows up, you know, usually monthly on a newsletter that would sort of keep you focused in this kind of stuff in this kind of area. Well, and I think that's really the key is just to keeping yourself focused on uh, your productivity. And like you said, to always have a trusted system to review. I mean, that's really, I get sidetracked because of that, you know, that squirrel, <laughs> you know, something else yeah. comes along and then it, it gets me off um, track. So to just be able to stay focused on it, it's, it's incredible. I wish people could see, you know, when we began our interview, you had a, a stack of books in multiple languages of, um, the, you know, you've helped millions of people. I think in your, on your website says over 2 million people have been introduced to that system. So, and you've been able to do so much. Do you feel like that feedback that you've received about your message, you know, how do you really feel about that? Um, I've been going from, yeah, the laziest person. <laughs> and then now no, you're... It's, it's wonderful. You know, come on, I'll be 75 at the end of this year. So, you know, by this point, I'm going, you know, it's kind of nice to have created something that does no harm uh -huh. <laughs> to anybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, offers the opportunity for anybody who wants to take advantage of it to actually create some transformational change in terms of how they manage this world. And then, not only manage this world, but if they haven't a focus on a, a more subtle, you know, spiritual or meditative or internal, mm -hmm. world, it's going to, it's going to help free you up to be able to do that even better. That's cool. Uh, so that's not required. You know, you don't have to be involved in that because we're teaching this to eight and nine year olds. You know, they've, they're learning this, they get it. And, yeah. Uh, again, it, it's easy stuff to do. So yeah, yeah, it's great. And you know, our, our mission as we've sort of finally kind of, understood it is really create a world where there are no problems, only projects. I love that. That's, and, and people are working with their passion and, and the love that they, you know, it's no longer about just being able to provide food for the family. It's that burning passion inside of us. Cause a lot of us are just doing jobs that, you know, are providing for our families, but they don't really fulfill us. You know, they don't make us, they aren't necessarily that mission and that passion that we have for life. 
Oh, definitely. Do you agree with that? Or Yeah, you know, sorry, but passion and motivation are, are I think, um, a little overrated. <laughs> okay. You know, I think happiness is overrated. As happy as you get, that's how depressed you'll get. <laughs> exactly. I, that's for sure. I think, I think satisfaction is a nicer um, okay. goal. I want to feel satisfied. I want to feel comfortable that what I'm doing is what I ought to be doing. And, you know, I understand what you mean by passion. It's like, gee, I, I, I want to feel like what I'm doing is, is a cool thing. And, you know, I enjoy it and get into the flow. But you can get into the flow with the dumbest stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, some, sometimes I love just really dummy stuff to do because it's like my brain is toast right now. Let me go count my paper clips or let me go, you know, organize my files or do something that most people would say, well, gee, that's mundane. That's not, are you passionate about that? It's called no, <laughs> but that gets me into my flow again. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm fine. It's like whatever allows you to be present. That's cool. Well, and I love the idea with the teens too. I, you know, I do a lot on education and um, we're moving into more of that self-directed world anymore. And I think that's where we're lacking with education. Like we're trying to fill a child's head full of information instead of teach them the system for getting the things done that they want to get done in their life. And I think that's exactly. where, yeah, you've created a, a, an amazing connection for people to know how to take the, the education that they want and then turn it into, but how do you specifically do that for yourself? That's, that's amazing. So you've mentored so many people. I want you to be our mentor for just a minute. Um, what habits do you feel like in your personal life have been the most helpful to have better learning? Oh, habits in my personal life, better learning. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting question. I would say the habit of following your curiosity. Okay, I love that. Uh-huh. You know, it's a, I think curiosity is, a, wow, I want to find out what was that about? What was that about? And now we've got so many tools. I mean, golly, because uh-huh. yes. I was just wondering, why, why do I have tea tree in my toothpaste? What is the tea tree? You know, it took me about 35 seconds to find out what the tea tree was and what, you know, at least the health people think that that's useful for. So, you know, I think following your curiosity so not necessarily your passion, but your curiosity, uh-huh. I think, is, is probably a big key. And then, you know, when I, I, I don't have any strategy about what books to read, I tend to just sort of follow my hunches. You know, back when you could walk into a bookstore, you know, if you could do that again, when we could do that again, I just walk in and look around and just see what kind of just sticks out. And I just sort of follow my intuitive hunches. So following your intuition, following your curiosity, I think those are, that's it. And well, and I... Yeah, I think, I think being, our world being, stuffed that down, you know, like you can't really follow your, does that, that doesn't make you any money kind of thing uh, is what kind of we're being told, like following that curiosity, following the hunches, like you have to listen to the professor or whatever. Yeah. But I think that that's powerful to follow that intuition for sure. No, that's, you know, that's I guess what I started to do back when I started to, you know, in this game, you know, mm-hmm. over 50 years ago. Definitely. So. Well, do you have any long-term goals? I mean, you said you're 75 and you're just kind of, you know, you've hit an, an amazing stride, but, you know, do you have any long-term goals that kind of work into the legacy that someday you hope to leave? Well, come on, we've only reached, you know, two or three million people. There's, <laughs> there's, seven, there's seven billion on the planet. That's so true. We, a lot of work. We've got a lot of work to do. That is very true. Hopefully we're helping with that 7 billion number. So Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people out there that are looking for this that don't know about it yet. And so, as I say, it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out. And then that's when I wrote the book. And then it'd probably take me the rest of my life to figure out how to distribute it well and get it to stick for people because that's not my area of expertise. So that's a lot of what we've been doing. And me and my you know small staff have been building and creating sort of the best tools that we can to be able to reach as many people as we can, both through our, through a licensed network and certifying trainers and getting good, you know, virtual and other materials and, uh, and processes and programs out there for people that, uh, that, that are looking for it. So that's, that's, I don't, I can't see stopping doing that until I can't do that. So that's, that's what I'm about. That's amazing. And I'm looking at your resource page too. You've got, 
you do have quite a few resources there as well to help guide people through this uh, process. That's great. And then the legacy, I guess, that you're wanting to, to leave is, is like that, right? To, I mean, well, the world where people are not focused on problems, they're focused on how do we solve the problem and we're into okay. the, the project about it and that we have a world that's, that's out of complaining and out of victim mode oh, and, uh, and, and into the driver's seat. I like that because that's what, I mean, especially, and I admit I'm part of the complaining um, <laughs> crowd right now, but, you know, with this pandemic, um, for instance, we're seeing a lot of that. We're all focused on the problem and we're focused on the complaining about different things and stuff instead of being focused on maybe solving that problem and what can we do to help with that. Or, Just, or how you would like to be about this. Yes. You don't okay. have to go, you don't have to go, you know, change the world. You say, mm -hmm. what, what's my outcome here? You know, sometimes it's the best thing to do is to do, you know, kind of the worst case scenario. So, mm -hmm. that you don't, so you can get rid of that fear. Say, so what's the worst thing that could happen? And can you deal with that? Mm -hmm. And then, but otherwise that's going to be spinning in the back as a fear anyway. And so you might as well, you know, the way out is through is you stare it in the face and say, I could deal with that and mm -hmm. then move forward and say, okay, where, what would I like to have true? What do I need to handle right now, given, given the realities that we're dealing with and start to focus on it? Not necessarily very far. Just, I, I need to make sure my home office is set up. I need to make sure my kids, you know, and their education and how we set up our daily schedule and our family, given all the changes we just had to go through. Yeah. Make sure all that's put into place. I mean, just focusing on there, that's not a, that should not be a problem. That should be a project. That's awesome. Well, and I, and I feel like um, as we're watching this pandemic, that's just uh, symptomatic of what's going on in so many people's lives. You know, even though this particular uh, situation's about a pandemic, it's really that underlying, like you said, there's so much um, basically crap floating around in our heads um, that when another one hits us, you know, it really causes this panic and this fear whether instead of like, okay, how am I going to manage this and how is this going to look for me? Yep. Um, I think that is, it's, that's a powerful thought for sure. Um, so before we say goodbye, do you have any parting advice for our listeners? Um, and then after that, just give us your contact information where we can find all those great resources that we've been discussing through this podcast. Uh, no, Rebecca, I, all the advice I've given already. <laughs> I love <laughs> so the follow I'm, your curiosity, uh, follow your hunches. Uh, yeah, and, and your heads for having ideas, not for holding them. Yes, I love that one. <laughs> so there's, that, you know, that, that's kind of, I, we've kind of put it out there already. And again, gettingthingsdone.com, you know, you'll see, you know, the world of getting things done. You'll see, you know, how that's spreading around. And I think you'll put the resources on there in terms. I of definitely will. Yeah. How people can get in touch and see what we're doing a little closer up. Awesome. Well, again, we've been chatting with David Allen. You can find out more about getting things done at his website, gettingthingsdone.com. You can also connect with him on Instagram at dallen45, Twitter, gtdguy. Also, like I said, there's so many great YouTube videos that he has great content on there on YouTube, but we're going to be sure to connect all that like uh, David was saying on our website as well. But thank you so much, David. I really appreciate your time. You know, you're from Amsterdam. I'm from Idaho trying to connect. That was interesting. But, you know, coming on with me and, and discussing these ideas and getting this important information to our listeners. I appreciate it. You got it, Rebecca. This was fun. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.